listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to talk about how to accelerate. This is something that people don't really, you know, you get, you're not going to necessarily hear it in a church sermon, but it always bothers me to see Christians that, you know, God's plan for them is increase. You know, God's plan for them is success. In fact, we, a a scripture verse that we quote often on the broadcast is uh, Proverbs chapter four and verse 18, that the path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. God's plan for your path is that it shines continually brighter until the return of Jesus Christ. It shouldn't diminish. You shouldn't go for up one year, down the next year. It should continually increase until Jesus comes. God's plan for you is never ending increase. And if you're just jumping on the broadcast today, Put it by faith in the bro- in the comments of the broadcast. God's plan for me is never-ending increase. And what have we what have we been talking about? This is our year of divine possession that we'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone. So put it in the comments today. God's plan for me is never-ending increase. God's plan for me is never ending increase. That's right, Leslie. And so pop it in there and know that from the outset that we expect to increase. We expect to go higher than we've ever been. We expect to flourish. We don't expect to diminish. We expect to see abundance. We don't expect what the world is saying, you know, expect food shortages in the fall. I don't expect food shortages. I've been telling people, I don't care if, if God has to send ravens with steak quesaritos in their mouth to where I'm at, I'm not having food shortage in Jesus name. We're not going to expect sickness and disease. We're not going to expect bankruptcy and financial struggles. No, we expect increase. We expect the blessing of the Lord. Amen. And so God's plan for you is never ending increase. That's That's all throughout the Bible. We see Jesus, uh, his first miracle in his whole ministry was a miracle of provision. As he turned the water into wine, he fed 5,000, he fed 4,000. You can see throughout his ministry, he's a God that provides, brings increase. In fact, did you know that that was God's promise? Even to the Old Testament saints, those in the nation of Israel, He said, all you got to do is obey me. And if you'll obey me, then I'll make sure that you are in abundance in every area of your life. You'll lend to many nations. You'll never borrow from them. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. I'll open up the, my treasury in the heavens and pour out rain in its due season and and begins to talk about increase. In fact, did you know that the curse of the law uh, Deuteronomy 28, 63% of the verses that are describing the curse are describing things that go on with their economics. 63% of the verses from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through the end of the chapter, I believe it's verse 68, 
63% of those verses deal with their economic welfare. So that, that shows you God has a plan to bless his people if they're obedient. Doesn't matter what nation you live in, God's plan for you is never ending increase. But you know what bothers me is as I travel, you see so many people that they feel like they're struggling to increase, to have what God said is theirs. And I've found many times it's not because, uh, obviously it's not because it's not God's plan for them to increase, but there are things that we can do that will limit what God can do in our lives. There are things that we can do that will hold back the increase that we've been believing for. I'll give you a story. One time I was, when I was a youth pastor, I had one of my uh, youth leaders that came to me and said, man, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling, Pastor Ted. I'm really struggling financially and I'm really having a hard time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not making it month to month. And I thought that's, that's crazy because I knew he had a good job. I knew, I knew that he had, you know, I knew that he had the resources coming in and uh, praise God, Lena, what a great testimony. So I said, here's what you do. Come into the office, come into the church office on my lunch break one day and let's sit down. I said, bring your, bring your budget, bring your figures. Let, let's look over it and let's see, you know, what's going on uh, in your finances. So he came in one afternoon and we went into the lunchroom and I sat down with him and we went through his whole budget. We went through all of his bills, what he made, what he had in the bank, all the stuff, you know, tithe, offering. And when I looked through all of it, sat down with him, I saw that with what he was making and with all of his bills paid and his tithes paid and money to give offerings, he had at the end of the month, $1,500 left over. That was just extra money with all bills, pay, everything. And I said, dude, you got $1,500 extra every month. I said, where's that money going? He said, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't have that kind of money left over. We just went through his, all of his facts and figures. And, and you know what the problem was? It's not that he wasn't blessed. He was blessed. He had more than enough. He had more than enough. You, may, you think about that. At the end of the month, $1,500 is just extra pocket change at the end of your month with all bills paid. That's more than enough to do what you need to do and so largely in the kingdom. And he said, man, I don't, I don't know. So what was happening was all of that, it's like the Bible says, he was putting money in a bag that had holes in it. That's what the Bible says. You've put money or you've put your finances in a bag that has holes. It's not that you're not getting the resources, it's that they're escaping you. And, and so I, I see this a lot. And it wasn't that God didn't bless him. And then it wasn't that he didn't have enough, but we can make decisions that will hold us back from what God has for our lives, for our ministries, for our businesses. And so I want to um, give you three things today that I know will help you. I know will help you uh, as you're moving forward to accelerate that success in your life. And it's like a fast track. One of the things that I found out that people who are successful, and I mean, outside of you know, lottery winners, who, by the way, if you study lottery winners, they don't go on to become successful for the most part. They go on to be bankrupt. They go on to be drug addicted. They go on to having their family not talk to them anymore. It's more of a curse than it is a blessing in most cases. But I'm talking about people who are successful consistently. These people, it's very interesting to me that they have very similar lives 
if you look at the backstory, if you look at what's behind the scenes. And I want to give that to you because, um, good morning, Nona Jerry, because uh, I want to see God's people flourish. I want to see God's people go to another level. And so I want to talk about these three things that we're going to look at from scripture, but all you have to do, if you apply them to your life, you will see that same kind of acceleration in your own purpose, in your own ministry, in your own business. And this is not, this is in no, no, by no means some kind of a, you know, bestseller list, business principles. This is from scripture. This is biblical principles that will bring you increase. And and funny thing is, one of the things that I notice when I go and read books and stuff that are on the bestseller list, it's funny to me that even if they're not Christians, a lot of these guys without even knowing it are teaching biblical principles and they don't even know it's from the Bible. They're like, no, these principles work. Well, the reason they work is because God instituted them and they work because they're scriptural principles. And so I want to show you this today, three areas that if you just take a close look at them in your life, you watch and see God put his hand of blessing on you because you're operating by biblical principles. And God wants you to see quick expedited increase, expedited growth. Amen. And so let me, let me dive into this. Ephesians chapter five is where we're going to start in the, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about. And, um, If you want to put it in the comments for those that will watch later, uh, put it in. Number one, the first principle that has to be in place. Good morning, Britt. Number one, time caution. I'm going to break that down and explain what I mean by that. Time caution. Put it in. Number one, time caution. And we're in Ephesians chapter five. And I'm going to read to you verses 15 and 16. And um, we'll, we'll probably go on even to verses Uh, 17 and 18 uh, as well. But look at this. Um, Paul writes to the Ephesians, therefore, consider carefully how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16, taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Praise God. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Listen to the ESV on that one. It's very interesting. The English Standard Version, same passage that we just read in the NET. Listen to this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Look at that. Making the best use of the time. Let me give you, let me give you one more. I'll I'll break it down for you in the new living translation real quick. Listen to the new living translation. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. ESV make the most of the time. 
So get this in your spirit today. Time is the most valuable resource there is more than money, more than anything. Time is the most valuable resource that you have. Everything else can be gotten back. Time can never be recovered. And so Paul's encouraging the Ephesian church to use what we're calling here, number one, time caution, time caution. Don't let your time just be wasted by everything and everyone. And let me tell you, we're living in a generation of time wasters more than any other generation that has ever existed on the face of the earth. Did you realize that? That 2022, if you're watching this later, 23, 24, 2025, if Jesus hasn't returned yet, we are living in the generation of the greatest time wasters. And I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the opportunities. We have more things that are there to suck the time out of our lives than we ever have in the history of the world. I mean, think how easy it is to have our time wasted right now. We could get caught up in reels, you know, TikTok, just scrolling, Facebook watch, one, one right after the other, YouTube recommended for you section. You keep right on going with the autoplay feature. You've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, you've got HBO, you've got all these things. You've got email, you've got social media, you've got uh, people calling you, people texting you, all these things that you can be doing. And what happens is your time is stolen from you. I mean, just, just be very transparent. It's just me and you today. So nobody's just be very transparent by a lifting of your hand in the comments section. How many of you have had a, a stark realization like you just wanted to go in and do it for a couple minutes and then you realize you look down, it's like 45 minutes is gone. Put a hand up. An hour is gone. You didn't realize you just been lounging and browsing and chilling and like an hour is gone and you didn't even realize. You're like, oh, have I been sitting here for an hour? And people, hands are going up because we've all been there. We're like, man, I didn't realize. Well, all of this stuff is created for that purpose. You know, they have people working on this to say, you know what? How can we keep people's eyes on our platform? How can we keep it in our space? One of the things I'm realizing as they continually update the YouTube algorithm is I'm realizing that more and more it's to keep the viewer on the platform so they do not leave. So they do not leave. And they're only rewarding content creators that will keep the viewers on the YouTube platform for as long as possible. That's, that's, that's the day we're living in, is that everything is uh, vying for our time, wants to take our time from us. And so this is why I'm talking to you about time caution. This is why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to teach the Ephesian church about time caution. Because notice, notice what he's saying here. He said, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And then he's inferring here that if we don't make the, uh, the most of every opportunity, if we don't make the most of the time we have, if we jump into time wasting, he's saying that's how fools live. Fools don't make the most of their opportunities. Fools don't make the best use of their time. Fools let others tell them how their time will be spent versus wise people 
who make the most of every opportunity. Wise people make the most of their time. Wise people. I mean, like, and, and, you know, this, this isn't just so much about being some kind of a, an over-the-top, you know, t- time management guru or something. I mean, I, it gets so wild. You hear these guys preaching time management. It's like, you need to even time yourself when you go to the bathroom. It's like, good Lord. <laughs> you know, but you do need to have your mind on what's going on with my time. What's going on with my day? Am I allowing myself to have my days stolen from me? I mean, has anybody ever felt that way where it's like you got to the end of the day and you felt like uh, your day was stolen from you? No, Ann, this is not a repeat. I am here. You're listening to the real Ted. (laughs) She said, is this the repeat? Um, I've gotten to see people's hands are going up, gotten to the end of your day and felt like, man, my whole day got stolen from me by nonsensical stuff, stuff that doesn't matter. So I'm sitting here and wondering like, what, what in the world, where did my day go? Where did my whole, where did nine hours at work or whatever, where did that even go? Or, you know, I got home and I meant to do all this stuff. Where did it go? It's, it's a midnight. And I felt like I didn't ha- you know, I, I hear people say it, man, I felt like I didn't get anything done today. Well, what's going on? It's our time being stolen from us. And we have to be very intentional with the time that we have. Paul said that he said, you got to make the most of your time. Make see. And, that, and that's, that's an excellent way to put it. I hear that phrase so many times, um, feels like there's not enough hours in the day. I love that because it's a great point. And you hear that often. Man, I feel like there's not enough hours in the day. I wish there were more hours in the day. And you know what's an interesting thing is that with successful people and unsuccessful people, they both have the same 24 hours in every single day. Successful people operate on the same 24 as unsuccessful people. Wealthy people have the same 24 as poor people. It's all the same day for everybody. The difference is how they spend the day, how they spend the time in their day. And one of the things that we, uh, we've discussed here and Tiff, you'll have to help me on this one. Um, give me again, that quote about stealing the hours from comfort. What, what was that? Is that James clear? And, and, and she's going to give us a quote, James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, which every one of you should read if you haven't read it already, uh, makes the point everybody, successful and unsuccessful, have the same 24 hours in every single day, but it seems like some get so much more done in their 24 than others do. And the time is really there. It's about, though, are you willing to steal some time from comfort? What other people using as comfort time? laying around, watching Netflix, scrolling TikTok, you know, hanging out, you know, whatever. That's comfort time. Sleep. You have it? You sent it to me? It's a long one to type. All right. This is the quote. Listen to this now. When you, this is James Clear from his book, Atomic Habits. When you experience someone else's genius work, a little part of you feels like, man, that's what I could have done and would have done and should have done. Someone else did it. You didn't. They fought the resistance, you, but you gave in to distractions. They made it a top priority. You said you'd get to it someday. They took the time you meant to. 
When this happens, you can take it two ways. You can either let that part of you give up. Oh, well, now I don't need to make that anymore. Or you could do something about that jealous pain. Shut off your phone, kill the distractions, make it a top priority, spend the time. It takes many hours to make what you want to make. Hours don't suddenly appear. Get this. You have to steal them from comfort. You got to steal them from comfort. And anybody knows that wherever you, wherever you do that, you can either burn the midnight oil. You can get up much earlier in the morning. You can cut those things out of your life. That's why, did you know it's, it's a, it's a proven statistic. That's why many people that are millionaires, very successful people, they don't spend time watching TV any of the days of their life. They just don't, they don't want, they're not TV watchers because they realize, man, there's so much more. I could be doing with my time to bring even more success into my life. And so you gotta be, you gotta use time caution. You gotta steal those hours from comfort. You know, that's, that's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a little folding of the hands, a little slumber and poverty will pounce on you like an armed robber want lack. That's why the Bible's making that point. People that don't, that aren't diligent, people that aren't uh, that, that aren't dedicated and they get into procrastination. They get into laziness and then, and then they allow their days to slip by. And the Bible's making the point that if you just allow your days to slip by, that if you get into laziness, if you get into a place where you're not diligent, you're not dedicated, you're not faithful, then a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber, poverty will pounce on you. It'll pounce on you like an armed robber. And the key becomes, if I want to see God's plan fulfilled in my life, I have to give myself to the vision. God has a vision for you. God has a plan for you. There's a call on your life. But if I'm going to see it flourish, I have to pounce on that vision. I got to jump on that plan. And I've got to do everything I can to dedicate myself to God's purpose for my life. Don't push it off to 10 years from now. What are you doing today? What are you doing today? What are you cutting out that is nonsensical and instead doing something today that's going to push your purpose forward? What is that thing going to be? What is that thing going to be? Well, one of the things we need to talk about then is once you understand that you're, you have to operate in time caution, that's number one, time caution, making the most of the time. Then the, the next thing that you have to be able to, to do uh, on a consistent basis is to build solid routines. That's number two. This is a scriptural principle, build solid routines. One of the things that helped me a ton, a ton, is that I started to realize there's a lot of things that I want to get done. There's the things that I want to do. But the more of those that you can layer on top of each other to do all at the same time, the better it is. The better it is. So you got to build those solid routines. You can call them habits if you want to. They're routines. You do them every day. And if you can build it in such a way where uh, you, you layer them or you have compound routines, so much the more better. I'll I'll tell you an example of something that, that I started doing that helped me a lot. I realized because we're just always working, we're always doing stuff. I realized I was never getting outside. I was never even getting any sunlight, barely. I was like barely getting any sunlight, which is very important. Got to get some vitamin D, but I wasn't even, I wasn't even exercising my body, the temple of the Holy spirit. 
which that's not a small thing. Just because Paul said, uh, though physical exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. He's not saying that exercise is unimportant. He's saying that in comparison to godliness, it's not a lot. But it's not that he's saying exercise is unimportant. He's saying that godliness is important in every area of your life. Spirit, soul, body, eternally, now, it's important in every area. But I was recognizing I wasn't taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit properly. So I made up my mind, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start walking every day and just walk and get my heart moving and and work myself, the, the cardiovascular system. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to go to a gym and do it on a treadmill. I also need that sun. But then I also said, you know what? I want to really ingest more of the Bible and I want to ingest more time in prayer. So I said, you know, I'm going to compound all of these things at once. I'm going to make the decision to walk outside when, when it's sunny. I'm going to take that time to work my body and I'm popping those earbuds in. I'm going to let the word of God be played in my ears. So I'm either listening to preaching and teaching. I'm listening to the word of God being read at the same time. And then I may do, if I walk for an hour where I can get in four miles, I might take half an hour to listen to the word of God and half an hour to pray in the Holy Ghost or to pray for things that I've been believing God for. And I found out for me that it's the perfect system because if you're running, which I don't even believe is of God, to be honest with you, but if you're running... (laughs) The Bible says the wicked run when no one's chasing them. But if you're running, then a lot of times you're working your body so hard, you're so out of breath, you can't pray, you can't take in the word of God properly. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to walk at a brisk pace. I'm going to do it outside. I'm going to listen to the word. I'm going to listen to teaching and preaching. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. So now I've got one, two, three, four, four routines that I want to get into my life. Four things that I wanted to become a habit taking place all at the same hour. You see that all at the same hour. So now in taking vitamin D fresh air, making sure I'm working the temple of the Holy ghost, listening to the word of God or preaching and teaching, praying in the Holy ghost for extended periods of time. Four things now we're compounding as a routine in one and the same hour. You can have compounded routines, compound habits. Um, one of the things that I, I, uh, I started to talk about this as power leveling because the, the thing that you start to realize is not everything you do matters much. There are some things that matter far more than other things. And um, if you've studied business for any period of time, I'm sure you've heard of something called the Pareto principle. And the Pareto principle, uh, or what some call the 80-20 rule, um, is, is something that just basically states that really only about um, 20% of the things you actually do produce 80% of the results in your life. Think about that. If you've never heard of the Pareto principle, that's what it is. Some call it the 80-20. 20% of the things you do on average affect 80% of the results in your life. So he said, if that's the case, then why not focus the majority of your time on that 20% of the things. If they're producing 80% of the results in your life, why not focus the most on those 20% of those things? Not everything you do is equal. Not everything you do produces the same amount of results. So why give equal attention to all of the things you do in life? Why would you not weight your attention more heavily on the stuff you know produces 
the most results in your life. And then let the other things just fall in where they may. But if we're thinking about it that way, prioritize the things that you know produce results in your life. Produce, uh, you know, and, and I've dealt with this before. I won't deal with it again today. But if we look, and man, I'm going to have to just write, write the book on this. But if we're looking at those five areas of your life that you have to master, spiritual, mental, physical, financial, relational, you have to master those five areas of your life. So you would look at every one of them and say, what is the priority in my spiritual life? What is the priority in my mental life? What is the priority in my physical life? What's the priority in finances? What's the priority in relationships? For me, I know very clearly uh, in my spiritual life, I have to be reading the word of God. I have to be praying every day, have to be listening to preaching and teaching. I have to build my spirit up. So because I know those are the three most important things I could do for my spiritual life, guess what? I have to prioritize them. You know what that means? I got to get them done first. I got to get them done first. What is, what's the most important thing for my, my mental life? Well, I got to be building up my wisdom, my knowledge. I got to be reading. I got to be listening to podcasts. I got to make sure that I'm intaking information, ingesting that and growing even mentally. What else? What are some things that wreck people's minds, wreck people's uh, emotions, their, their soul? Comparison, criticism from social media. I get criticized constantly on social media. I get criticized on YouTube constantly every day. I get criticized on social media posts every day. But one of the best things you can do, which I've not done yet because it hasn't taken me to that place of exhaustion, is stop reading your comments. People, people will wreck you, man. They'll, they'll come after you. Tell you. I mean, I get, I get told I'm a false prophet probably six times a day or more. And if I'm going to sit there and uh, let that destroy my peace, destroy my joy. Some of the best things you can do is stop comparing, stop checking everybody else's stuff. Don't allow criticism to take you down. Separating from relationships that are destructive in your life. People that just carry drama around with them everywhere, right? You can do that for your mind. What are those things? Prioritize those. Set them high. What about your, what about your body? It's what we just talked about. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. God wants you to run long and strong. So I'm going to set priorities for my physical body. What am I eating? How am I taking care of it? What about my finances? God said a fool spends all that he has and that a, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So what am I doing to make sure my finances are going to another level? What about my relationships? What about my wife? What about my kids? How would they know daily that I love them? What am I doing to show them that I love them? What, what am I doing that um, they take away from that day? Man, I love dad. I miss dad. I want to spend time with dad or my wife. I love my husband. What are those things? How do they experience love? What are their love languages? How do they know? How do they know dad loves them? How do they know? So see what I mean? You prioritize what's important. Those are the things that are going to produce the most results in your life. So everything else is extra. Let that just get cut out, but focus on what's a priority and make, make those routines. Daniel chapter six, I'll have you turn there because I want to show you how Daniel, no matter what was going on in his nation, stuck with his routines. He stuck with his routines. God honored him for it. And here we can see Daniel is dealing with his spiritual routine 
of prayer. Daniel 6.10, you know the story, obviously. Those evil men in Daniel's nation uh, convinced the king to sign a decree that nobody could pray to anyone other than the king. You think that changed Daniel's routine? You think it changed his, his daily habit or his dedication to God? Absolutely not. And in Daniel chapter six and verse 10, the Bible says, and when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And as he had done previously, you know what that means? That's what he was doing before there was a decree. That's what he's doing now that there is a decree. The decree is not changing him. He knows what his priorities are. He knows what he should be doing. He's got his routine in place. I pray three times a day. I kneel down with my face toward Jerusalem. I throw open the windows. Notice that even though that it changed in his nation, became illegal, he didn't hide what he was doing. He didn't hide it. He didn't go to underground church. No, he just put, threw it out in the open. If you want to arrest me, you know where I'm at. I'm throwing the window shades open. If you want to come find me, come find me where I've always been. Same spot, praying to the most high God. His routines were in place. Did you know they had routines in the early church? The Bible says in Acts chapter three, uh, that they went up daily to the temple. What? At the hour of prayer being the ninth hour of the day, which is three o'clock in the afternoon. They would consider the day to begin at six o'clock in the morning. And so the ninth hour would be three o'clock in the afternoon. And so at 3 PM, they all went to the temple for an hour of prayer daily. That was a routine. That was something that the early church did that according to the book of Acts was one of the things that caused them to explode in growth. Daily prayer. Hallelujah. Daily prayer. And so you don't just have to have time caution. You've got to have routines. They've got to be in place. They do not change. This is who I am. This is what I do. Before I give you number three, um, this is something that really I mentioned previously. I just got brought back to my remembrance. This is something that, um, that was Daniel 6.10, Sandra. Daniel 6.10. When I was reading that James Clear book, one of the things that he said that was mind-blowing to me, because it's also biblical, he said, you know, when they were studying people who tried to quit smoking, he said it was, it was so interesting. He said, because some people that tried to quit smoking would just go right back to smoking again, even though they tried their hardest to quit smoking. He said, but others quit smoking and successfully stayed off of cigarettes. And when they were, uh, that's Acts chapter three, Sandra, if you're looking for the daily prayer going up to the temple, Acts chapter three. So when they were trying to stay off cigarettes, he said the biggest thing they noticed between the two groups of people is that when they were offered a cigarette, those that would fall back eventually into smoking, when they were offered a cigarette, they would reply, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. But when the other group was offered a cigarette that successfully stayed off, 
They would reply, no thanks, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. Do you see the difference? The difference was they changed their identity. The identity of the first group is, I'm a smoker, but I'm trying to stop smoking. The other identity is, no, 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 I don't smoke. I don't smoke anymore. So you know what the difference was? It's the identity change. That's the same with salvation. There's still people walking around thinking they're sinners saved by grace. No, no, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not even the same person anymore. Not even the same person. So it blew my mind to recognize that they had changed their identity. So then when they started studying other people that, for example, wanted to work out and change their diet for personal health, one of the things that was mind-blowing is that same principle, identity change. They didn't say, like, I'm on a diet. One, one of the guys that was, um, I, don't think, I don't think, was it him? It wasn't him. But it was somebody they studied that said, I just changed my mindset and I changed my identity and started calling myself an athlete. Even though he didn't compete in any professional sporting industry or any of that, he started to call himself an athlete. And then he would say, no, this, this is what an athlete would eat. This is what an athlete would do. Notice, it's an identity change. See, that's why the Bible has so much to say about where you put your mind. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind. You have the ability to take thoughts captive and to set your mind. The mentality God gives you the ability to have is everything. You have the mind of Christ. So you set your mind, right? And so these routines... They go in place, but you got to change your identity to stay on that routine, which takes us to number three, which needs to be in every person's life. If you're going to accelerate your success, your growth in any area of life, number three, you have to have systems in place, systems in place, removing every obstacle for your routines to take, uh, to take place in your life. That's what a system will do. It it will literally save you. It'll save you all kinds of failures. People fail many times because they have no systems in place. I was at a church one time preaching Sunday morning and uh, all kinds of stuff started happening like miscues, fails in the service, technical failures, uh, sound failures, Um, in the middle of the service, the pastors were embarrassed by it. And, uh, it just, it was like that Sunday, it was like one thing after another, the, the music didn't start properly. The microphones weren't on like, like they should have been kept cutting in and out. They couldn't get the, um, stuff up onto the screen. They couldn't get the words going. They couldn't get the videos going. And we got to lunch and they were like, man, brother Ted, I am so sorry. I am so sorry about that. They said, man, uh, I, I can't believe that happened. Uh, I, and, and I said, well, I don't, I said, I don't care. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be like harshly judgmental. You had some system failures. I said, but here's the question. And this is where, where you need to ask yourself personally. I asked it to the pastors. I said, here's the question. What system do you have in place so that those things never happen again? That's the question because having a mistake happen is inevitable. You're going to have some mistakes happen. Here's the question. What do you have in place so that those failures 
don't ever happen again. Or at least, at the very least, they don't happen for the same reason that they happen today. Or they don't happen in the same way that they happen today. And their answer to me was, well, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even understand those, those programs. You know, our, our, our team, I said, well, you don't know? So basically you're telling me you had huge failures today, but you don't know how you're going to solve it. You don't know if it's ever going to happen again. You don't, you don't ever know if there's even a possibility you could fix it. See that you see where the problem lies. It's not in the failure because mistakes happen from time to time, but the, the failure truly was in the lack of a system. It was in the lack of a system because if the systems were in place, then you could know these things are never going to happen. A system will give you system checks. There are checklists that you could put in place to make sure before your Sunday service starts that everything is functioning properly, right? You can check to make sure everything works ahead of time, all of those things. So, so there's systems in your own personal life. And one of the things that you can find is that if you will put systems in place personally, you'll see far less failures. I'll give you another thing. You'll see far less days go by where you say, man, I feel like nothing good happened today. I feel like I didn't get anything done. I feel like I had a whole day stolen from me. Yeah, but you can put systems in place so that you never feel like that again. You can put systems in place. Did you know that there's even programs for your computer and for your phones that'll lock down certain applications so you can't use them except for a certain period of time a day? Did you know that there are apps that you can put on that won't even let you open social media apps before a certain time? or will only allow you to keep them open for a certain amount of time every day, and then they'll close and shut down and you can't open them again until the next day. There are systems you can put in place so that you're not having your day stolen from you. You know, and, and so that, that obviously you can have self-control, but obviously there are people that don't have enough self-control to, to stay off the things that are wasting their time. So instead, you can put systems in place to keep those roadblocks out of your way so that you can go through a day and actually produce the things God's called you pr to produce. They actually just help you take caution with the time God's blessed you with. Amen. They help you to take caution with the time God's blessed you with. Remember this, the blessing of God in the form of time is a supernatural thing. The Bible, the Bible says our lives are like vapors. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Somebody throw some hands up, the double hands in the comments. If you feel like, man, life is flying by. Life is flying. Time is flying. I look at my daughter, my oldest daughter. She's going to be a teenager in January. I can't believe that, that I'm going to have a teenager. Some of y'all have kids that are now in college. Some of them are already married with children. And you're like, time is flying Throw some hands up if you know what I'm talking about. Look at all the hands going up. I mean, it's insane that you look back and you're like, man, it feels like it was yesterday, but it was 10 years ago. You know, it feels like I was in college, you know, last year, but it's been years. I've, it feels like I was in high school a few years ago, but it's been over two decades. You know what I'm saying? Time flies by. Our lives are a vapor, the Bible says. They go by so quickly in light of eternity. So all of the time God's blessed us with is a gift from heaven. And God's looking to see how are you going to manage the gift 
steward the gift that I've given you in your own personal life. Let let me take you somewhere before we pray today. Uh, and, And this is where I'll kind of hang my hat on this thought. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, um, one of the, and I, and if you know the truth about it, I believe time is the greatest talent or resource that God has placed in your hand. I believe that. I believe that time is the greatest resource that God has given you. Cause even if you had the Holy spirit, but you had no time, what are you going to do? You got filled with the Holy Ghost today. You died tomorrow. What are you going to do with the Holy Ghost? You're gone. Time is the most valuable resource you have. Well, I got Jesus. Yeah, you got Jesus, but you don't exist on the earth anymore. So what are you going to do with Jesus? Be with him eternally. That's it. But you can't produce anything. You can't produce anything because you're gone. Time is the most valuable resource you have. It's the most valuable talent, if you will. And we look at this story of the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. It starts in verse 14. I'll paraphrase it for time's sake is that this master had three servants and he was leaving to go on a journey and he gave them a group of talents. The first got five, the second got two and the last got one. The first one invested it and got 10 before his master came back. The second one invested, got four before his master came back. But the third servant, as you well know, took his talent, buried it in the ground. And when the master returned, The Bible says he returned the one talent back to his master and said, here's your talent back. And he said to him, I knew you were a hard man. You reap where you did not sow. You gather where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground here. Take what's yours. But look at verse 26, because here is the real revelation that nobody seems to get. But his master answered him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own plus interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. Now look at verse 30 and cast him into outer darkness in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's something that's mind blowing. God looks at maintenance mode, cruise control as wickedness. God views maintenance as wickedness. God, God looks at, uh, that just treading water mode. People put their life on cruise control. God looks at that as wickedness that if we sit and take the time when there's a lack of stewardship, we just take our time and do whatever with it. God said, that's wicked because there are people who need what you have. There's a a generation of people in this world that don't know Jesus. God has called you for these final moments of time. He's empowered you. He's gifted you. He's opened doors for you. And he has poured his spirit into you. He doesn't want to see you put life on cruise control and and to go into maintenance mode. He said, no, that's wickedness. He said, my people should be producing in whatever arena I've placed them. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are. You might be in the ministry arena. You got to produce in ministry. You might be in the business arena. You got to produce in business. In your family, you got to produce in your family. In your evangelist uh, life of evangelism, you got to produce souls. Everybody has to produce. Stewardship is doing well with what you've been given. That's what it is. Doing well with what you've been given. Taking those talents 
and increasing them into a harvest. Taking those talents and increasing them into a harvest. And so notice, that's not going to happen without these three things in place. We've got to have caution with our time. See, there's no production if we don't take caution. There's no production. That's why there's people that let months and months and months and months and months slip by. I have people tell me all the time, I'm gonna, I feel to start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast. You talk to them a year later, they still got no podcast. Well, I'm just waiting. You know, I got to get, there's some things I got to get in place. How long is it going to take you to start a podcast? They're free, first of all, <laughs> and they're easy to upload. Second of all, you could do it with your phone that you already own. Third of all. So it's like people just let things fly right by them. And, and because time's flying before you know it, time's gone and you never did the thing God called you to do. It's time to step out. You got to take caution with your time. What's the most important thing? Do it first. Do it first. And then you got to set those routines in place and say, you know what? I'm going to make sure that every day I'm getting those most important things stacked up and I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done, get it out the door. I don't care if you got to make a task list. I don't care if you got to make a to-do list. I don't care if you got to put it on your Google calendar, get it done first and then set those systems in place so that you never miss the thing that you need to be doing. See, what does that look like practically? Well, there's people that say, well, I want to work out every morning before work. But do you realize the more obstacles that are in between you leaving bed and going to the gym and actually doing the workout, those obstacles can derail your whole plan. One of the things that uh, they said in the book is one of the things you can do, get all your gym clothes ready the night before. Put them right out in an easy place. Put your gym shoes right on the floor with your socks in them. Be ready to go. All the stuff you need, pack your water, get your protein shake ready in the fridge, get your bag, set it next to your clothes. All you got to do is roll out of bed, throw the gym clothes on, put the shoes on, grab the bag, and you're out the door. Everything that would hold you back from accomplishing that purpose, put a system in place that moves the obstacles out of the way so that you can just step right in and do it takes you no time. You, you've moved every obstacle. That's a system that will keep you from failing in the thing that you want to do. Hallelujah. And you got to do that with your spiritual life. Otherwise you'll get to the end of the life and say, I wish I'd have done more. I wish, you know, I have a lot of regrets. I wish I'd have got a lot more things done. I wish I could have accomplished what God called me to do. I've had people that come up to me in church and say, man, would you pray for me? I say, sure. How can I pray? Oh, I, you know, the Lord called me into ministry 20 years ago. I'm just believing he'll open some doors 20 years ago. And you still haven't begun in the ministry. He called you 20 years ago and it's still not happening. <laughs> you feel like saying, I think he's probably called somebody else by now because God's not sitting around waiting 20 years for people to say yes to his call and his purpose upon their life. You got to either do it or don't do it. And I'm telling you now's the time more than ever before. You want to see accelerated growth. You want to see accelerated success. Throw these three things into place in your life and watch exponentially if things blow up. You know, the biggest thing that, that, that uh, separates those that are extremely productive, extremely resourceful from those that aren't, it's really not even knowledge. It's not even really wisdom. And it's not even really the ability to do, you know what it is actually doing it, actually doing it. Like, it's like, I like, I like how Dave Ramsey says it. He says, even getting out of debt, everything's the same, losing weight, getting out of debt, starting a business. It's all 10% knowledge, 90% action or discipline. 
It's 10% knowledge. Everyone knows how to lose weight. Everyone knows how to get out of debt. Everybody knows how to start it. But the thing is, they just don't do it. And see, the thing that separates those that are productive with those that don't get stuff done, it's not about knowing what to do. It's about actually doing it. Stepping out by faith. Say, well, it won't be perfect. That's all right. Perfectionism is the enemy of production. Put that in the comments. Perfectionism is the enemy of production. It's the enemy. I have, I had a friend, he had every piece of musical gear you could imagine. Highest end computer, highest end programs, beautiful hardware, and never produced one album. I'd go over to his house almost every weekend. We work on music and I'd talk to him about it. You getting something out? Well, there's another, they're getting ready to release another app, uh, like another program plugin. He said, I'm telling you, that's going to change my whole production when I get that. It was always that. Uh, they got a new, they got a new controller coming out. That's going to be perfect for orchestration. When I get that controller, man, it's going to change my game. It's going to never put one album out in his whole life. I guarantee you, I know this for a fact. He dropped easily $25,000 on gear, but never released one piece of music. You know why? Perfectionism is the enemy of production. Learn as you go. When I started doing what I'm doing right now that you're watching, I started in my, I mean, you'd have laughed at me if you saw it. I had one tiny little camera. I bought a, a, a tripod with a crossbar, threw a black piece of cloth down behind me. I was super awkward on camera. I stood there thinking, man, the lens is so small. If I move it all, I'm gonna go out of the frame. I said, hello, I wanna give you some biblical truths today that are going to stir your spirit. I was awkward on camera. I, everything looked bad. I had harsh lighting. I had a bad backdrop in the middle of my living room. People were ringing the doorbell while I was trying to <laughs> record videos. But you know what? I didn't say, well, I'm gonna wait because one day God's gonna give me a, a studio with an LED wall and professional lighting and cameras and people, people to direct the program. I didn't sit around and wait and say, well, one day God's gonna give me everything. It'll be perfect to do a broadcast. I started where I was at. It's only 10% knowledge. It's 90% do it. Just do it and get it out. Get it out the door. Watch how God will bless you once you are doing the thing he's called you to do. And I'm gonna tell you, those that are watching me and those that are listening on the podcast, you're anointed to do. You're anointed to do. You have got a call, a purpose, and you're anointed to produce. Get started today. Don't let your time be stolen. Don't put yourself in a place where you don't know where your time went. Uh, you know, Dave Ramsey uses this quote about money. I'll use it for time. If you don't tell your time where to go, you'll wonder where it went. He says that about money. If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. I'm telling it about time. If you don't tell your time where to go, you'll wonder where it went. You'll get to the end of every day and say, man, where'd that day go today? Man, I feel like, don't let that happen to you. Be the person that's producing consistently, consistently, and God will use you and God will use what he's called you to do to change your generation. And you'll see yourself expand by the power of God in the hand of his favor because you pursued his call and his purpose on your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching me today. I thank you for the anointing that you've placed on their life, on their ministry, on their business, on their family. I pray today in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would put a fire in our spirit to begin to produce like we never have. No more waiting, no more procrastination, no more perfectionism before production. Lord, let us launch out by the power of your spirit 
to do exactly what you've called us to do. We will not wait another day. As time is running out, as Jesus is coming soon, I pray in Jesus' name that what you've anointed us to do will come quickly to pass before this year comes to an end. That we'll step out with new ideas and new dedication and new uh, diligence in your kingdom and those things will come to pass so swiftly people will wonder. They'll call us overnight successes without even understanding that we've been in uh, production planning and in your spirit and prayer for a long time. This is no overnight success. This is something you've had in our spirits for a long time. And so, Lord, I pray that it quickly come to pass. Give your people faith to step out. Give them open doors that they've never had before. In Jesus' name, we thank you that you hold the key of David, that when you open a door, no man can shut it. When you shut a door, no man can open it. So we ask you to open those doors swiftly for us, Lord, and we'll run through by faith in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe it, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comments section. Let me know you're standing with me and believing God that this is going to be the greatest year of production you've ever seen. Maybe you're believing to start a business. It's been in your spirit. Start it. Launch out. Do something that you've never done before. Don't forget. It's our year of divine possession. So you're going to have what you've never had. You're going to do what you've never done. You're going to go where you've never gone by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. This is your day to begin and be blessed in Jesus' name. Welcome to August, by the way. Today's August 1st, and in this new month, I want to give you an opportunity to sow your seed and to partner with us. Let me say this, because for those that are partnering, this book by uh, Pastor Mark Hankins is a life-changing book. The, this, this thing, and of course, one of the biggest uh, revelations that God's given him, powerful Powerful revelation, not just on in Christ, the Pauline revelation, but on the blood of Jesus. And this book, The Bloodline of a Champion, The Power of the Blood of Jesus, will change your whole mindset. This is our gift to those of you in the month of August that are sowing a seed of any size. You stand with us, me and Carolyn, as we're preaching the gospel. Stand with Miracle Word in partnership. And those that are sowing, we're going to send you The Bloodline of a Champion, Uh, as our gift to you. As you sow your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and you can claim that gift on the website so that we know where to send it. And if you've not considered standing with us in partnership on a monthly basis, say, what does it mean to stand with the ministry in partnership? Well, number one, we're asking you to pray for us every single week that you're standing with us in prayer. We need people that are interceding for what we're called to do. And so we're asking you and your family to pray for this ministry, to pray for us. Number two, monthly partners are sowing financial seeds every single month. You gotta do it at whatever level God has allowed you to do it. There are some people, they're sowing at you know $1,000 a month. Others are sowing at 100, 500, some sowing at $85 a month. Others sowing at $50 a month. Everyone's at a different level. But do what the Lord is asking you to do. And watch as God blesses you for sowing that seed. Here's the only stipulation. It takes faith. So whatever takes faith for you is what's going to be pleasing to God. If an offering that you sow doesn't require faith, God's not required to receive the offering. It has to take faith if it's going to please God. And so that's why you have to be introspective when it comes to sowing. Does this mean something to my spirit? Does this take faith to sow? 
And so if you'll do what the Lord is asking you to do, if you'll do what takes faith to do, not only will God be pleased, you'll be blessed. And this book by Pastor Mark Hankins, powerful. And let me tell you, there's some substance to this book, man. How many, this is like 350 pages of revelation from Pastor Mark Hankins, the bloodline of a champion. Again, that's our gift to you in the month of August, those of you that are standing with us in partnership. And then of course, coming up in October, and you've still got time to partner, we've got the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend. And man, do we wanna see you in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We're gonna be meeting back at the Renaissance Hotel. It's a two-day event. We've got Friday night, October the 28th, that's a revival service at Central Assembly of God in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So that's a Friday night. And then Saturday is our Victory Tribe brunch, luncheon, kind of a, a thing in the afternoon at the hotel. Renaissance, beautiful place, great food. Last year was amazing. And I've got some huge announcements to share with our partners. And so you say, well, can I still come if I'm just starting to partner? Of course. You can come, you, can, you have the ability to come, you can RSVP, Jenna will contact you, but we want you to stand with us and watch what God will do in these final moments before Jesus comes. And uh, I can't tell you how much I love you, can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Um, you're standing with us, but God's moving. And, and the proof of that is everywhere we're going. People are being saved, they're being healed, they're being delivered. If you just jumped on, we just finished the Upward Conference, 83 salvations, baptized kids for two hours and 15 minutes. We had a powerful meeting in Tomball, Texas. People getting saved and healed under the tent in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It just continues. And you're a part of that. And God will reward you for your faithfulness as he rewards us for doing what we're called to do. We're doing it together as a family. And so I wanna say how much I love you, how much I appreciate you. Welcome to the month of August. I'm praying that these last five months will be the most impactful months we've ever seen in the history of our Christian lives. If you didn't get a chance to see it, we're gonna roll that uh, video from Uproar one more time. I love you, have a powerful day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.